The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All information contained on or related to this podcast is for general information purposes only. Hello everyone, I'm Chantel Wicks and this is Guts and Glory. Welcome back, everybody. This is another episode of Guts and Glory. I hope that you are all safe during these unprecedented times with COVID-19. We're not in studio recording, as I mentioned in our last episode, but we are recording virtually, which is fantastic because I'm able to bring to you two sisters, Claudia and Simona Tersini, who are here to tell us about their uh, journey with IBD Um, two sisters diagnosed with IBD, one with ulcerative colitis and one with Crohn's disease, but I'll allow you, I'll allow them to tell you more about that. Um, And they are also the honorary chairs for the York Region Gutsy Walk. Um, And we're going to, we're going to spend quite a bit of time in this episode talking about this Gutsy Walk that we're having this year. It's the 25th anniversary Gutsy Walk by Crohn's and Colitis Canada. You're probably wondering, the Gutsy Walk's usually in June, what's going on? Um, But it's been moved to August, and it's a virtual walk instead. So stay tuned for more information about that as well. And welcome, Claudia and Simona. Hi. Hi. We're so excited to be here. We are happy to have you. Um, So, Claudia, let's start with you. So you were diagnosed at the age of 10 with ulcerative colitis. Yes. Um, So I was the first person in my family to actually be diagnosed. I was diagnosed around the winter time. So my birthday's in November and I had just turned 10. And then I started getting symptoms like increased urgency, a lot of blood in my stool, um, a lot of frequency. I was going to the washroom so many times overnight and everything. And being 10, you know, I just thought that everything was going to go back to normal and it was going to be fine. I didn't need to tell anyone because, you know, poop is embarrassing and I didn't need to let my parents know that this was, that was my happening. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Did you tell your parents at 10? Yeah, no. Um, so this went on probably for about a month. And then finally, I guess I was going so often during the nighttime that it was waking my parents up. And finally, my mom came to the washroom and was like, what? what is happening? Like, let me see. Barging in. Don't flush. Yeah. Yeah, Don't flush. Don't flush. Let me see. Let me see. And was like horrified. It was just like a whole toilet full of grossness, blood, everything, you name it. Um, so I went to the hospital and I was, they just told me that I had salmonella, uh, poisoning. And again, that it would go away in two weeks. They sent me home. I wasn't on any medications or anything. And then two weeks later, I almost fainted. I was just losing so much blood and so much weight probably at that malnourished. point. Yeah. Yeah. Going to the washroom, like probably upwards of 20 to 30 times a day. And then I went to my family doctor. Just my parents were like, this is not okay. We need to see what's going on. Yeah. And then he did some blood work and saw that my inflammatory markers were elevated, but couldn't directly pinpoint what was going on. So he referred us to sick kids for a second opinion. And I was in the hospital there for about two and a half weeks. And there I finally had a colonoscopy and was properly diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Did your patient journey start like right then? Yeah. So it started from sick kids onwards. So I wasn't on anything prior to that. Um, and there I was put on IV steroids, which is just like gold standard. We're going to hook you up and pump you with some, some nice drugs. Yeah. Um, and then I was on sulfasalazine, 
that was my maintenance drug for quite a period of time. I only had one flare between the age of 10 to 20 and I was like 13 or something. It was very close to my diagnosis. And then I was only put on an oral course of steroids and everything resolved fine. And then in high school, I was fully healthy, just maintained with different five ASAs. I just changed the dose based on my weight. So as I grew, I was on more medication. Um, and then finally, when I was in third year university, I had a really big flare, which I would say I'm still kind of recovering from now. I've been out of university for three years now. You're 24, right? I'm 24. Yeah. Yeah. But so I did a, to... I did a master's after. Right. So where did you have like your big flare? Were you like 21, 20? So like... yeah, I would have been 20. So like you just said, like you still feel like you're trying to recover from that. And this is four years later. I don't think people really understand. Like when we, like when, you know, when we talk about having flares, like I had a flare that it took me a year and a half before I got my weight back the way that it was before I was able to like have the muscle mass that I had before. And then after that, you're still adjusting medications are changing. This medication doesn't work. You go on a new one. So what are you taking now? Or what do you like, what's the plan? Yeah. So it's been an ongoing battle. Like you said, I failed infliximab. I failed vetalizumab. So Intivio, Remicade, um, and I'm on Stellara. So I've been on Stellara for the past two years. I've been the most stable that I've been in that four or five year period, um, but still not a hundred percent. So I'm still trying to figure out things that can make it better. I actually just changed my um, frequency as on six weeks and I'm on four weeks because I'm having a little bit oh. of symptoms now. So yeah, it's just an ongoing an ongoing battle. So hopefully things settle soon and I don't have to be on steroids again because I really don't like them. <laughs> and I was on so, them for a really long time. So yeah, same, like seven years on and off, just like oh the, the moon face and just every, the bruising and the insomnia and the night sweats. It's just, but you're, you're, you feel great. Otherwise I know all oh, of these yeah. things sound great, but you know, where yeah, you're like, food? I'm not in the washroom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're eating all the time. It's great. I'm starving. Like I cannot eat enough. So in that whole journey, Claudia, that's happening, there's a snippet. And this is where Simona's story comes in because Simona, you are three years younger than your sister, four years younger. I'm four years younger. Four, four years, years younger. younger. So you're 20 right now, but just like your sister, you were also diagnosed at the age of 10. Yeah. So my birthday is also in November, like Claudia's, but wow, I was like, no, like, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, two days apart. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I was diagnosed in around August, late August, September. So I was actually nine, but turning 10. Right. So um, for me, it was a completely different diagnosis. I started out with bumps all over my leg and I had one huge giant bump, like right in the middle of my shin. And um, I played soccer for a really long time. So we always thought, oh, it was a bruise from, from soccer, from my shin guard. It was just a normal thing or it was a bug bite or my sis my other sister kicked me in my leg. Like that was type of like the type of things we thought were, were going on. Um, but I was also losing a lot of weight, going to the washroom a lot. I always so had you also diarrhea. not saying anything to your parents, just like No, no, nothing. Uh, especially about the diarrhea. That was something I kept like like to myself, didn't even tell my mom, didn't think it was anything crazy either. I didn't even know what was going on really. And my mom noticed I was losing a lot of weight and that the bruise on my leg was getting one a lot bigger and a lot hotter. Like it was generating a lot of heat, which was weird. 
So you had these like extra intestinal manifestations of Crohn's disease and yes. osteoarthritis, which we hear yeah. a lot, of, but it's interesting that yours started that way. So the bumps, was it like a bruise? Was it elevated? Was it filled with fluid? What, how would you describe it? I would describe it just as a bruise. Like it was not filled with fluid. It was just a huge, like huge mark on my leg that was just really hot all the time. And that it just kept getting, it, it would hurt when I would walk sometimes. Like it felt right. like there was some pressure on my leg. Um, and like, I couldn't play soccer. Like I couldn't run. It was really hurting me. My mom's like, okay, I'll take you to the doctor. Maybe it's something like on your skin, like a skin infection. So I was brought to York central. I think it's the kids and then York central after. And they told me that I had a skin infection. They brought, put me on antibiotics. I was there for probably like four or five days, like nothing serious. And then I went home and then it was the first day of school. I remember. And my mom was like, this is so crazy. I'm sticking to the family doctor. Like you're losing so much weight. This is like insane. And oh my, my gosh, family and doctor. She just went through this four years uh, earlier with your yeah, sister. Yeah. But because it was so different, like it wasn't, right. I, n- I never had any blood in my stool. So there was nothing um, like similar about that. So mm-hmm. that's why my mom probably didn't think of anything like that. Um, but my family doctor looked at me, I think for like a minute and she <laughs> said, no, you need to go back to the hospital. There's something wrong. Like, this is not okay. And I went to kids this time. They did a scope. I'm pretty sure they did a scope. Yeah, they did a scope. They took a stool sample, and then they realized that I had Crohn's disease. And because I had similar doctors to Claudia, they linked it pretty fast. And I was lucky that I had Claudia because our doctors were, I'm pretty sure they were exactly the same, our doctors, that we had for our diagnosis. And yeah, I was diagnosed with Crohn's. and I was put on steroids, like Claudia, uh, in, in the beginning. Well, probably because you, you were so sick right away. Yeah. And steroids yeah. generally get the inflammation under control yeah. quite quickly. Yeah, but I was put on biologics pretty quickly. At first, I was on Remicade mm-hmm. for, I believe, like, I, I'm pretty sure I had 10 infusions before I then had an allergic reaction to it. It didn't, it wasn't working. Um, then I was put on Humira for all of high school. So I didn't have any flare-ups in high school. Um, and then second so year, similar uni- story to your sister. Yeah. yeah, very similar. And then second year university, that's when I had a flare up. So also, and how old were you then? Um, I believe eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, right, so you're 19. twenty now. So you're yeah. also, I feel like, still in your recovering from a flare situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar, to Claudia. Um, and now I'm on Stellara, which is and four <laughs> weeks as well. Four <laughs> weeks you're on the same or on the same you guys path go on right the now. same day. You should just go on the same so day. So I think, I think now because I switched from six to four, we're on, we're exactly like the same Great. Yeah. We're the same week. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I go, free company. I go I there, they, they call me Claudia. I'm like, oop, I'm actually slow <laughs> this time. It's not Claudia. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because my husband usually, I'm on Intivio, and my husband usually comes to the infusion clinic with me. Uh, how long is Stilera, um infusion? Oh, it's like five, 10 minutes. It's just an oh. injection. So oh, the, first, an injection. the first dose is like an hour infusion, and then it's just yeah. an injection. So it's oh, okay. really, really quick. We could probably right. do it ourselves, but it's just... So my Intivio infusions aren't very long. Like the infusion itself is probably only a half an hour, but they do the blood work beforehand and my veins are the way my veins are. So it takes a couple of pokes, you know, bless the nurse. Never easy. (laughs) Yeah. So my husband usually comes, but with COVID-19 right now, obviously there's no extra people. So it's great. You two, you've got company, just, you know, you're six feet apart and get your stuff going. Yeah. Yeah, I know. 
Okay. So one of the questions I, I want to ask, you know, cause when you have two siblings, especially two siblings who are diagnosed, um, you know, the first thing that pops in my mind is the gem study. And we've talked about the gem study on previous episodes on, uh, guts and glory, um, in, in terms of how it's, you know, genetic environment, microbial. And the big thing about the gem study is what they typically do is they take a, a child who is sick, who has IBD, uh, and then with the consent, obviously, of parents and, and, and other siblings, they start to follow the siblings of the uh, person who has IBD. And then, of course, what has happened, and we've interviewed people in the past as well, you know, I think about Parker and Nathan, we interviewed their mom, Sherry, a couple years ago. Parker was diagnosed at a young age at 13, and then they started following Nathan, his healthy sibling. And while Nathan was being uh, studied, being followed, he also was diagnosed with IBD. So that's kind of like the, that invaluable information. Like we had, we had, you know, Nathan's gut before he was sick, and now we have it after he was sick. So are you guys enrolled in the GEM study? Did that similar thing happen? Yeah, so we are we are enrolled in the gem um, study. I think it's only siblings that have uh, Crohn's Crohn's disease. Like the actual subject yeah. has Crohn's disease, so not ulcerative colitis. But maybe in future they'll look at that as well. Um, but we have a middle sister, a middle middle sibling, and she is perfectly healthy. She's normal, so she is in the gem study as the healthy control. And then right. we're obviously so the siblings with IBD. Were you both diagnosed before you guys entered the GEM study? Yeah. Yes. So unfortunately, right. Simona's development wouldn't be wouldn't be captured. But I guess if our middle sister, her name's Dominique, if she was ever diagnosed in the future, they would have quite a bit of follow up leading up. But it's to- still in, it's still it's not just about following and like you know want obviously nobody wants a sibling to be diagnosed well in the study but just especially for the genetic side of things and the environment side of things growing up in the same household like eating the same types of foods there's a lot of information within this study that's really important to you know show people of the same family and siblings and I you know the reason why I bring up the gem study is because Crohn's and Colitis Canada um funds a big portion of the gem study and the way that they're able to fund this study obviously is because of money that's raised throughout the year, mainly coming from the gutsy walk. So I know for me, um, I'm the chair of the gutsy walk in Durham region. And I have been for, you know, seven ish years. I started out as honorary chair, just like you ladies. <laughs> so watch out. You might be <laughs> chair a little bit later, get your organized binder ready to go. But, yeah. um, yeah, so the, the gutsy walk is very dear to our hearts. You know, it's something very dear to my heart. It's why I invest my time as a volunteer into the organization and into the walk because, um, the Gutsy Walk is the biggest fundraiser that Crohn's and Colitis Canada does. And I think one of my biggest worries that I had, you know, once this, the worry of COVID-19 and, and what the world was going to look like, once that settled down, I started to worry, well, what's going to happen to the Gutsy Walk and what's going to happen to all the funding and the research? Um, because without this money, without people donating to the Gutsy Walk, you know, research like the GEM study, research for new medications, like look at, you know, listeners know my medical, my medication journey. I've been on everything all the way up to the top. And now I'm on another biologic, my second. You girls are on second, third biologics. You've been on the five ASAs. You've been on all these drugs. You know, they don't, these drugs just don't come from thin air. 
Uh, like they they're have so to, expensive. Yeah, it's very yeah. expensive. And, and for them to get approved and the research that goes into finding these medications that, you know, will help IBD warriors like the three of us, it, it's not cheap. Uh, and Crohn's and Colitis Canada has had a huge, huge impact in, you know, their mandate alone is to cure Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis and improve the lives of children and adults who are affected by these chronic illnesses. So it's not just about finding a cure. It's also trying to make our lives manageable Mm -hmm. while they're working to find a cure and making our life manageable means we need new medications. We need new treatments. We need new adaptations to our way of life. We need people advocating for us at the government level, you know, on the whole forced switching and mandated switching, all of these things. Yeah. So, you know, this is why Crohn's and Clyde's Can and the Gutsy Walk is so important to us. And you guys are the honorary chairs of the York region. region <laughs> so for those of you who are living outside of the GTA or living outside of even Ontario or living outside of Canada, um, you might not have heard of York region. I'm sure you've probably heard of the city of Toronto. So just to kind of give you a context of where York is, York is just north of Toronto. Um, it's north of the, the, the major city, so not far at all. But um, the Gutsy Walk does happen at over 60 locations across Canada. Um, so from coast to coast, from British Columbia all the way to Newfoundland. Um, in, the, in southern Ontario, we do have quite a bit of walk. So you guys are honorary chair of the York Walk, which is north of Toronto. Toronto has their walk. I'm the chair of the Durham, which is uh, Durham Walk, which is east of Toronto. So our our hub brings a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell us like why you got involved and why is this so important to you? Um, I got involved because I just really wanted to volunteer anywhere. I was just really set on finding somewhere where I can volunteer. And I remember asking Claudia for her opinion on where I should apply. And she's like, Simona, you should apply to Crohn's <laughs> and Colitis Canada. Like, are you crazy? And I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. So one day I supplied and um, the chair for York Region, she called me a few weeks later. Uh, her name is Cindy. She's like so super sweet. She called me and we talked on the phone for about an hour and she told me to come to the next meeting. So I came, it was in December, I believe. And I had such a great time. It was so nice talking to other people who experience the same things that you go through and who have people in their life going through very similar illnesses and like just similar similar experiences to you. So I got involved and then a few weeks later they asked a few months later they asked me to be the honorary chair and I told them about Claudia in the beginning and they were just so fascinated with our story that they asked Claudia to be an honorary chair as well. And yeah, well, you guys are going to your infusions together. Yeah. You guys will just do things together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's um, interesting that you say that, Simona, actually, about, um, you know, I had a very similar experience at my first Crohn's and Colitis Canada meeting years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are in Canada, I do encourage you to go to Crohn'sandcolitis.ca, look up um, a chapter closest to you. As I said, they happen across the country um, in, you know, in the provinces across. So go to your province, see if there is a meeting that's in your region. Uh, I obviously, the meetings right now are virtual. Um, and we had our, we had our meeting, our virtual meeting for Durham uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we actually had somebody from a region outside of where we are join our virtual meeting just because their region didn't have uh, a meeting. And they just wanted support. They wanted to talk to somebody. 
And I, I think that's actually maybe a bit of a, a bonus in the virtual meetings right now, because if you mm-hmm. physically, like when we had, when we have physical meetings, if you're not within the catchment area, you're probably not driving. Right. Um, so it's important to reach, go to cronesandplayscanada.ca, look up your region, look at what's happening. A lot of the meetings are still happening virtual. There is a big portion of peer support. And just like you, Simona, you know, for me, it was such a breath of fresh air to finally mm-hmm. meet people who were having similar experiences to me and to be able to comfortably talk about the most uncomfortable topics. Yeah, because I was always scared to talk about it. Always. I always just tried to avoid it with like my friends and people at school, but then being in a, in a room with all these people who know exactly what you're going through and can offer you advice and can be sympathetic to you. It's, it's, it's just a great, a great feeling. Right. And it's not just for IBD patients. Like I've said, you know, my husband comes with me as well. And if anybody is listening and you're a parent or you're a caregiver or a loved one or a sibling or a teacher, or, you know, you work with somebody who has like, these are great meetings to join as well, because it gives you that perspective and that insight into, you know, something that you wouldn't know. And and, in my personal opinion, knowledge is power. The more we know, the more we educate ourselves, the better Mm -hmm. we can be as a person. So Claudia, you kind of, your honorary chair, sisters mm-hmm. like, come on. Yeah. Um, I was actually, so I've been involved in Crohn's and colitis. Like I volunteered in research at Sick Kids for a while. And then my involvement with Crohn's and colitis Canada came uh, probably about five years ago. And I've been volunteering in the Toronto chapter. Um, and I volunteered for like a number of events, including the the gala. And there was an event called Bruise of the Six, which was a really cool yes. Yeah. A really cool event. Um, and then two years ago, I actually volunteered for the Gutsy Walk and also participated in it. So that was my first ever um, experience with the Gutsy me, Walk. Didn't you? Yeah. You took like your research team to the Gutsy yeah, Walk? Yeah. So I actually went with um, my lab that I was doing my master's in and my lab studies uh, Crohn's disease or the lab that I was in studies Crohn's disease and vitamin D deficiency in Crohn's disease specifically. Um, so it was just interesting to bring. Yeah, exactly. And they were all so, so into it and so involved and wanted to help. And I think having the patient perspective directly in the lab as well is really beneficial to my lab. Were you the only person with IBD, part of your team? Yeah. Wow. Um, But interestingly enough, my project was not an IBD. It was actually on the liver, but it was okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it was a really cool experience for myself and for the researchers who could directly interact with a patient on a daily basis. So that was a really, a really good experience. The thing about the Gutsy Walk this year, obviously for the safety of all of us, let's be honest, um, the Gutsy Walk (laughs) did not happen at the beginning of June. It's usually the first Sunday uh, in June. Um, And it didn't happen then. um, If you know, no matter where you are, June was a heavy month. The beginning of June, we were still pretty much all locked down. Um, the thought of bringing together hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people across the country was obviously not safe for, for us. So Crohn's and Clays Canada has made the decision to move the Gutsy Walk to a virtual walk that will happen um, on Sunday, August 23rd. So near the end of the summer, which is good. Um, but I think what's important here, and you know, you know, for one of the things that I'm going to be doing is I'm still trying to raise money, of course, raise as much money as possible. We really need to, we really need to bring in those funds again to fund the research. 
But the good thing about the virtual walk is you can decide what you're going to do uh, for on walk day. So on Sunday, August 23rd, you know, my plan is to go out into my neighborhood like I do every day and, and do my walk. I'll make it longer, obviously. Traditionally, the gutsy walk is about five kilometers. Um, but obviously, if you're not able to walk that far, you're not able to do that. I know people that are going to bike ride. Um, I have somebody who's going to run on their treadmill uh, <laughs> that morning. And I was like, I'm going to walk on the road. I think that would feel a little bit better with that. But, you know, I'm just going to take pictures. I'm going to live stream to our Facebook page to let people know. I believe Crohn's and Clays Canada is going to be sending out um, some kits to participants, like with balloons and things like that, to let people know. Yeah. So, yes it sucks that we're all not all able to come together in the parks that we do across the Canada and be together as one. But I, I think what's most important is that Crohn's and Clytus Canada is still trying to make sure that we are united anywhere, anyhow, on August 23rd, raising awareness, walking or doing whatever <laughs> we're going to do on that day um, to raise the funds. And, you know, in the past like 26 years, which is what Crohn's and Clytus has been around, they have raised over $45 million for research and programs, all thanks to the participants and the donors and the various sponsors that we get. And, you know, that money goes to four major areas of research, Crohn's and Clytus Canada, they, you know, obviously they're focusing on finding causes and triggers, uh, discovering new treatments. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> Praise that. <laughs> right? Yeah, we need Where that. Without the next <laughs> level. Um, helping managing our symptoms, which is key, and just ensuring that we're getting the best care possible. You know, this is stuff that needs funding. And as much as I would love to have a money tree growing in my backyard, um, <laughs> that's not where money comes from. It does come from donations from, you know, amazing listeners that we have and, and from people that participate in the walk. And just like every other walk, um, you know, I said before, you can sign up as an individual and raise money. You can become a team captain. So I'm a team captain of my team, Team Deuces, and people can, pun intended, deuces. <laughs> <Love it. laughs> people can join my team and raise money as well as individuals. Do you guys have a team? Are you raising money individually? Yeah, so we have a team. We have a joint team, I guess, we're co-captains, just like we're co-chairs, and it's called These Girls Have Guts. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're raising money as a team there. Um, so, yeah, I think we've donated, we've raised $1,300 so far, and our goal was 2000 so we're almost there. Awesome. So. Yeah, I think yeah. I, my individual goal is, I always start at 1000 I think yeah. I'm about $350 short of 1000 but I'll get there, and then <laughs> keep going after that. Yeah. Um, so the other thing about the Gutsy Walk this year, it's the 25th anniversary, which is, mm -hmm. again, sad that we're at home, but... But one will never forget. That's exactly. For sure. <laughs> like you yeah. will never forget this 25th anniversary. So one of the things that I know Crohn's and Clytus Canada is doing, and again, I, I encourage you to go to Crohn's and Clytus, um, .ca, and also um, Crohn's and Clytus Canada is on Twitter, they're on Facebook, and they're on Instagram. And the handle is at Get Gutsy Canada obviously get gutsy. Um, so at get gutsy Canada. So I would encourage you to follow all of those social media pages to our listeners because they're going to be doing a 25 day countdown 
uh, to the first virtual Gutsy Walks, the 25 days. Um, We're almost there. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be fun activities and events. And I think they're, I, I'm pretty sure they're doing the toilet paper for, uh, for a year supply. Of- yeah, I, I just saw the post for that. Yeah. yeah. So you can enter into one one in three chance to win a year supply of toilet paper. Right. It's $50. Listeners, like, are you hearing that? <laughs> What is more perfect for us? Okay. Imagine how much money you could save in a year. Okay. This is what I'm saying. (laughs) This is what I'm saying. So it's good to get involved in that way. So tell us a little bit about, about the York. Does, does York have, um, in social media pages? What's that about? Yep. So we have a social media page that kind of buds off the, the usual name for, um, get gutsy Canada. So ours is get gutsy York. Um, and you can find us at on Facebook and on Twitter with the same handle, Get Gutsy York. And similar to the just the national um, level, we'll also be doing like competitions on Facebook and Instagram leading up on Facebook and Twitter leading up to the actual walk day. So there'll be like and gift cards and things that you can win. Sorry. Yeah. For our listeners, it's important. York has a Facebook page and a Twitter page. And a lot of the other chapters have social media pages as well. So if you just search mm-hmm. as Canada and then the region or get gutsy and then the region, you could usually find, I know that some of the chapters also have Instagram pages. Um, so definitely look into that. So Simona, are you guys going to do anything special on the yeah. Walk. So, uh, we and Claudia are planning to, well, with our family as well, we're planning to walk around our subdivision. Um, and we're planning on recording ourselves doing the ribbon cutting in the morning as well beforehand. Yeah. So very fun. We're going to be doing our speech as well. And we're going to be posting it to the Facebook page, the York Facebook page. Right. So again, it's really important to get on these social media accounts. And, you know, I can't wait for Sunday, August 23rd. I know it's not going to feel and look the same way as our, you know, traditional gutsy walks with everybody coming together, but everyone's still coming together virtually. Mm -hmm. And what I think is fantastic about this is I'm going to be able to see your speech in York. I'm going to be able to see the honorary chairs that are in BC that are in Newfoundland. And they're still going to, they're still going to be opening ceremonies and people talking. So even though we're missing the physical connection um i think this is fantastic that we're going to be able to see ibd faces from across canada yeah. that, and I mean, they were even more connected than yeah. ever before, yeah which is cool yeah so like i've already went through on all my social media and followed like every chapter of crohn's and colitis canada that mm-hmm. i could find and twitter is really good because as soon as you start following some of them all the rest pop up. <laughs> so i'm not exactly sure i'm gonna have to get split screens going on the day <laughs> of the walk so that i can see everybody so are you guys planning to start the walk on Sunday, August 23rd at a certain time? Do you have that worked out yet or will you make those posts later? So I think the actual details were still working out, um, but everything that we decide will be posted on the Facebook page and we're still going to have gonna have a mix of things that are pre-recorded and things that are live on the day of. So yeah, everything will be posted on our Get Gutsy York pages. Um, right. But and yeah. For those of you who are listening and you're thinking, shoot, I've got an extra $5, $50, however many dollars lying around and you want to donate, um, you can go to gutsywalk.ca. You can type in a name. You can type in a team member. You can just donate to Crohn's and Clytus Canada in general. If you're really feeling inspired, join us, sign (laughs) up, become a participant and start asking everybody, you know, if they wanted to donate, you know, I'm saving a little bit of money. I'm not I'm not doing the 
Friday night at the restaurant anymore. I'm my Starbucks <laughs> morning runs are not right. <laughs> I'm doing Friday night in my kitchen instead, which is saving me a little bit of money. So if you yeah. want to, if anybody listening feels so inclined, um, as I said, without the donations that Crohn's and Clitus Canada gets um, from people like our listeners and from people like us, you know, all of the the advancements that we have so far in IBD would not be there. You know, biologics, for example, look at us. All three of us right now um, have been on at least four different types of biologics between the three of us. And that this was not an option 20 years ago. You know, so the the proof is right there. Um, Money is needed for research. Research is needed in order to find us a cure, to find us a way to live and manage our disease and it's not just a Canadian thing. Like when research is done, when we, when we have things happening here in Canada, when that research is happening here and there's a breakthrough, that's global. Yeah. That's for the IBD community in general, you know? So tell us about, do you guys have, I know that some of you, you one of you is sharing your personal story on social media, which is powerful. Um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, me is Claudia, by the me way. Me is Claudia. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I started an Instagram at the beginning of last year. Um, you can follow it. It's called this girl has guts and every word is separated by a period. So this dot girl dot has dot guts. Um, and I just thought that it was a good way to get on social media and follow different people that have IBD and just get get a different perspective than I normally would. It was like the same kind of experience that Simona had actually going to the chapter meetings and things like that. Same kind of experience, but in the online space. And I've just found it to be such a rewarding um, community of people that I've met and people from all over the world, which I think is the greatest part of it because you can see things that are happening like in the UK, for example, and you're like, oh, that's a good idea. Like, for example, they have... Uh, a key for universal washroom access. So people with IBD get this key and they can access disabled toilets. Yeah. Yes. I see this. Yeah. Which is so cool. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, we need to bring those kind of things here. So like without social media and connecting to different parts of the world like that, we can't really have the same advances that we normally would have. So I just think that it's, it's another layer of connectivity that we can have with people. Yeah. And speaking of the card, I know that Crohn's and Clytus Canada, they, you know, they have their app, the go here app. Yes. Conveniently named, um, where businesses and, you know, um, community centers and libraries and city halls and those types of things, uh, sign up through Crohn's and Clytus Canada and, and tell them that we are, you know, IBD friendly washroom. You can come in here without being a customer, et cetera, et cetera, to use the bathroom. And the app is great. You download the app onto your phone. You you map out your route um, and all the friendly toilets along the way. Because yeah. uh, the worst thing is when you're mid-flare or you need to go to the bathroom, walking into a store and them telling you that only customers. And you yeah, have it's to horrifying. Yeah. yeah, stand in line to buy a drink before you can go to the bathroom. Meanwhile, you're like, I don't have time for this. Yeah, no. So that has been a great initiative. And again, something that's funded from Crohn's and Colitis Canada. So yes. And how does this happen? Because of and funding and gutsy (laughs) to gutsy walk. So, you know, I think the biggest message for our listeners here is that, you know, I hope by hearing Simona and Claudia's story, you, you see that, you know, both diagnosed at the age of 10. And even though your stories, you know, I'm sure you saved a lot of the details, but you did let us know, like, this is a long lasting, 
no cure right now. And we really do need to, to, COVID aside, we need to continue the research projects that have started and we need to fund more of those. And I know that it's a scary time right now and not everybody is financially able to support and that's okay too. If you're unable to financially support, then, you know, start, become a participant, try to raise some money yourself, share somebody else's story on social media, uh, share somebody else's gutsy walk page on social media. You never know who's out there, who's listening, who will find comfort in your story or who will be willing to donate. Um, but we do want to really keep the momentum going. We hope that you all join us on August 23rd from your living rooms, from your backyards, from your balconies, from wherever you are, not from your car, because that's not safe. Um, <laughs> that's cheating. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you cannot drive around the neighborhood. This is not acceptable. Um, no, just kidding. If that's what you need to do, then you do it, Okay. Um, good thing about, we would love to see pictures even of your pets. I know that most of our walks, the gutsy walks are pet friendly. So we have a lot of pets that come out. Um, I think one year we had like a lizard or something on a oh leash. On a leash? Yeah, it was very, it was very interesting. <laughs> mm. um, but, but it's all fantastic. So do either of you want to say anything before we go about your journey, about your involvement with the gutsy walk, with CCC, anything like that? Um, you don't have to, okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure that before we cut it off and then you're like, Oh, it's like, you know, when you write a test, then you realize, um, I just want to say how easy it is to get involved. Like it's so easy to become a volunteer. And I said a bit earlier in the episode, just go on crohnsandcolitis.ca, look at volunteering, try to get involved in a, in a chapter near you. Um, another good resource too, is just crohnsandcolitis.ca again, and you can actually look at the research tab and you can look at all the research that Crohn's and Colitis Canada has funded and all of the upcoming research projects as well. So you can actually see pictures of the researchers and you can see like the titles of their future research that's upcoming. So I, I think thought what's that fantastic was really cool. Crohn's and Colitis Canada too is like, you know, nothing's a secret. Everything's right there. Like, oh yeah, it's fully in the open. You can yeah, see like in exactly. five years, expect a publication on this. And you're like, exactly. oh cool, that I'll keep up, keep an eye out for that. So, and I know some people are probably thinking volunteer, like what am I going to do right now? But there, we still need volunteers. We mm -hmm. need people who are volunteering, even for our virtual meetings. You know, if you're tech savvy, if social media is like your thing, you know, you've got that sorted out. We have chapters in Crohn's and Colitis Canada who could use your help as the social media representative who can, you know, you know, start with posting things and sharing things and getting information out there to the public. Not everybody is computer literate. <laughs> That's okay. We don't always need to be. And definitely not everybody is social media literate. Um, so if there's, there's definitely space, there's always space. Crohn's and Colitis Canada, you know, Yes, they have employees, but it is heavily run by volunteers. Mm -hmm. The Gutsy Walk is dependent on volunteers. Volunteers on the Gutsy Walk committees that work months and months in advance of the walk. Volunteers that come out on the day of. Um, we all, we need your help financially. We need your time. We need your commitment. Um, we just need your voice, really. That's, that's really what Crohn's and Colitis Canada needs. Um, and I'm so happy that you two joined me today, virtually from the comfort of your own homes. <laughs> I feel like we need to start doing 
these episodes in our pajamas and just embrace it. I'm wearing pajama pants. Oh, Me yeah. Me too. <laughs> I can show you. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, ladies. And I think the one thing I do want to say before we go is that I want to thank Crohn's and Colitis Canada for continuing to advocate for all of us and for being that backbone and that driving force. As IBD warriors, appreciate you. And I want to thank everybody who has donated in the past to Crohn's and Clays Canada, specifically the Gutsy Walk. Those of you who have already donated this year, those of you who are going to donate, and thank you to all of the participants who rally uh, your friends together and your family, your colleagues, or you just sign up as an individual. And of course, to all you IBD warriors, whether you are sharing your story or not, um, know that you are not alone and that there are others like you and that despite everything that's going on in the world, we need to keep the faith um, <laughs> because, you know, we have a great organization uh, in this country, in Canada, that's working to support us and to one day find us a cure. And in the meantime, you know, try to make our lives manageable. Thank you to the two of you. Thank for, you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. For being bold enough to share your story, shout it from the rooftops. And <laughs> I cannot wait to hear your speech on Sunday, August 23rd at the virtual Gutsy Walk. I'll have to stagger when I start talking on, on the Durham page just so <laughs> I can listen to what you guys say. Um, yeah, give me Let a head up. Finalize the details. <laughs> yeah, of your itinerary, so I can. But the great thing too is, like, you know, we can share. We can just share everybody's, you know. Yeah, yeah. and you can watch and... it later too. Absolutely, absolutely. So again, to our listeners, make sure you go to Crohn'sandclitis.ca. There's a million things there for you to read. Make sure you get on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you start following anything that is at Get Gutsy. Yeah. Um, get Gutsy Canada. As the main source and then from there you'll be able to find all of the other chapters if you are still looking for information feel free to reach out to us um guts and glory is on twitter and on facebook it's at g-t-s-n-g-l-r-y there's a couple of vowels and a letter d missing there but that's okay you can also just search Guts and Glory and you'll find us, uh, reach out. I can give you, I can try my best to help you and give you at least links and information and contact information for whatever you need. Um, we appreciate all of you. I appreciate the two of you. We appreciate you. you enjoy the rest of your day. I cannot wait for this Gutsy Walk. Kill it. I have confidence in people. I really do. <laughs> Um, if you come up with anything super interesting, let me know so I can share that on our social media pages as well. To our yeah. listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope that you stay happy and that you stay healthy and that you stay positive, uh, strength and positive thoughts. Thanks for listening to Guts and Glory. This podcast is produced by Bang Albino Inc.